Chara Supply Chain. Highlighting and showcasing solutions for the most complex challenges facing the industry in 21st century by our team of subject matter experts and mentors. Broadcasting every week all year round, we will present the most up-to-date series of podcasts and webinars. Hello and welcome to another episode of Vichara Spy Chain. Uh, this is Norhadi House. My guest today is uh, Amadou Diallo, uh, CEO from DHL, uh, Middle East and Africa region. Thank you for joining us, Amadou. It's great to have you on the show. Hi, how are you? Thank you very much for having me as well, Norhadi. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today's topic is uh, logistic leadership, where we'll be discussing a few to- few things, uh, how to address the challenge in uh, global logistics. Uh, but before we get started, could you please share a bit about yourself and your professional background? Yes, thank you very much. So my name is Amadou, Amadou Jaro. I come from the south of Senegal. Uh, Senegal is in West Africa for my friends in Indonesia. It's uh, just below Mauritania um, yeah. and, and Morocco, so it's you know, part of Northwest Africa. And uh, I have been uh, working in uh, logistics for over 30 years and of which uh, yesterday, I celebrated my 25 years in DHL, where I've been working in different regions, in different uh, uh, divisions. Um, so I consider myself now as as what they call the veterans of logistics um, in terms of the number of years I've worked in it. Um, and I worked in different functions, so I think I learned quite a bit uh, in many different places. Amongst others, also in Indonesia, where I've had the opportunity to work with many different talented people that are now running some sizable businesses, like Velani Vijaja, who runs uh, Bolore Transport Logistics in uh, Indonesia, but also like uh, a young talent that we had in DHL. His name is Hariadi, and I understand he's a uh, president and commissioner at, uh, at COSPT in, uh, in Indonesia. And obviously, I've been working with all of my DHL colleagues in Indonesia for quite a while, so I'm very pleased to be with you. Yeah, nice. Okay, Amadou, uh, I would like to come uh, my first question here. Particularly in your industry, what are the key challenges facing logistics today? And how do you see a current trend in 2021 and next five or 10 years from now? Thank you very much for that uh, great question. So, you know, logistics, I mean, at least, you know, the way we define it, uh, within our own uh, business here at DHL, the purpose of our organization is connecting people and improving lives. Yeah. So, and in the past, you know, uh, the yeah. world economy was very little inclusive. So we had the major markets, the mature markets like Europe, uh, America, and increasingly China recently, you know, sort of participating in global trade. But we had a lot of com- countries that was that were a little bit excluded. You know? So if you take I can take just a few examples. So you know, if you take the example of Indonesia, where you have over 232, 200, 240 million inhabitants who are entrepreneurial and active in many different areas, you know, many of the entrepreneurs were a little bit excluded of the global trade. And the same is applicable to places like Indonesia, uh, Nigeria. The same is applicable to places like Ethiopia um, or some of the Latin American countries like Nicaragua, Uruguay. So, and what we are trying to do is to be able to connect entrepreneurs that are working in our emerging markets. That is what I'm trying to do. My passion about logistics is to try to connect entrepreneurs that are living in Balikpapan, entrepreneurs that are living in 
in the south of Senegal or, or in any place in uh, Ibadan, etc., to make sure that also they can participate in global trade and then be able to provide the services to consumers across the globe. That is really what we're trying to do. Now, it is not always easy because if you are a trader and then you're producing some art artistry in, uh, in, in, in places like Bali and then you want to sell it to people that are sitting in the south of America, you don't know the customs rules that are necessary. You don't know what is needed to be able to transport the goods in a container or so. So, and what we do is we try to make sure that when you have finished your product, that everything that is needed for your goods to be able to reach a customer that is living in the south of Brazil is organized so that that customer can get good product that is coming from Indonesia, which he would not access to if he had to organize all the travel, etc. So that is really what we're trying to do. Now, things are changing quite a bit. You know, in, uh, in Asia, you have the ASEAN market that has been organized, a lot of facilitation with Asian Development Bank. The same is happening in Africa. The same is happening in China, in, 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 in India, Pakistan, etc. And we are still trying to make sure that the more than 3 billion people that are in Asia, the more than 1.5 billion people that are in Africa are equally represented in global trade as are the people that are living in America or in the mature markets in Europe. That is really what we're trying to unlock. It is challenging, but it is always possible. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so let's move to uh, another question where uh, what was clear now is that the dramatic changes in people's habit uh, were driven by the global pandemic of COVID-19, right? And the e-commerce industry keeps growing. Fle flexible working hours are only just few examples, uh, Amadou. So in your opinion, uh, do you think that is an, this is an kind of the opportunity? What, what advice would you offer to the logistic uh, business leader uh, how to convert this challenge into the profitable opportunity? Well, so... I think there are multiple opportunities, but you know, I will try to highlight two, so um, or three, three of them. The yeah. first one is yeah. you know access to talent. Access to you talent. Know, before access to talent. Before, um, if you wanted to have a talent from, if you are let's say operating in Germany, and you wanted to have talents that are living in Indonesia or Malaysia who speak very good Bahasa but also very good technology people it was always very difficult for you to get them to Germany because they had to apply for the visa and everything yeah. and then come and sit in a physical office in Germany, then learn German and try to work with people and then accommodate in eating German food extra, which is very difficult because I've tried it, yeah. Nowadays, you can connect those people via technology and then you have had at least one year of training of working with people that are just using technological platforms so that you can leverage their capabilities. So that is one thing that has changed. So you have much more access to global talents without having to go through the hurdles of administrative bureaucracy that needs to be fulfilled when people have to physically travel. Yeah. The second thing is to be able to unlock opportunities in markets. You know? So with uh, the COVID, we have seen an explosion on e-commerce. Um, so, you know, me, when I was living in Asia, which is like 12 years ago, you know, I was aware that we you know, were eating a lot of pasta coming from Indonesia. We were eating it in Nigeria. Mm. I was aware that most of the beautiful shirts that we wear in South Africa or in Senegal, you know, were made out of the batik solutions that are built up in, in Indonesia. But it was not common knowledge because the people didn't have that transparency on the floors. Now, with the use of data, you can see what type of products that are being produced in Ghana 
or being produced in Bali or being produced in any other place, you can actually sell to consumers that are living in very remote areas in Papua New Guinea or any other places. So that means that now you have a somehow, you know, a much more agile and digitally available economical access that you didn't have before. So that is something that you need to learn if you want to be a Thirdly, you know, it's about digitization. So, you know, uh, digitization uh, was always very difficult because before everybody was making their own IT tools, everybody was using their own software tools, and then trying to connect the software tools of a customer with the software tool of a service provider, a logistics service provider, with the custom software tools to, in terms of, you know, being able to make uh, uh, seamless uh, deliveries possible and having that connected with truck drivers who are making the last mile delivery and having all the status updates and the device was very complicated. Now, you know, with the explosion of smart devices, with the explosion of people who are good in digital technology and in user experience management, any great entrepreneur can actually access any other market. And me as a logistics service provider, I have to master the data management uh, in order for me to be able to connect the dots. So yeah. these are three major elements that are now requested of any good logistics leader that were not really highly requested when you were working in an analog world. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Awesome. Um, you are now leading the uh, DHL in the uh, region of the Middle East and Africa. Can you please share some stories uh, about how you set the expectation for productivity and support the team's well-being, particularly in the pandemic area? Well, so... Um, I'm very happy about that question because, you know, I've been working in, uh, for many years in France, in Germany, in the UK, uh, and managing global uh, operations and financial control for many different countries like yeah. America yeah. and in China and Singapore. And uh, the, the, the mindset of the people has always been that, you know, the productivity and efficiency that you can achieve in mature markets is totally different of the one that you can achieve in emerging markets, yeah? So, and for me, when I'm managing our business in, uh, in the Middle East and Africa region, the expectation that I try to set is the same that I was trying to set when I was in Singapore, is the same that I was trying to set in Germany, which is that, you know, the customer experience has to be excellent in any market you operate in. So, mm -hmm. it's not because you are in Congo or you are operating in Angola that you don't have to provide for the same type of efficiency, productivity, and quality of service than the people that are living in Germany or other places. Yeah. And I think that the requests and expectations in our markets, in the emerging markets now, the expectations of a young guy that is sitting in Jakarta who has access to all the technology and sees what are the quality of services that are being provided in the US, or of a young consumer that is based in Angola on same, are not different of that of the person that is sitting in New York. So what it means is that the expectation in terms of efficiency, productivity, product awareness, you know, intelligence uh, that needs to be applied to the business is exactly the same. And what I try to achieve is a higher productivity in our countries and regions than the one that is existing in the mature markets. Reason being that we have more consumers to satisfy in the emerging markets that actually you have to satisfy in the EU or in America. You know, if you take the population in, in Southeast Asia or in the ASEAN market, it's over 600 million people. If you take India, it's over 700 million consumers, middle income earners that need to be satisfied. The same is in China. You know, if you take in Africa, you also have half a billion people that need to be satisfied, real consumers. 
and they expect the same efficiency as if they would be based in Europe. And therefore, for me, when I'm leading my countries and my people in our region here, I set the same expectation in terms of efficiency as they would have in Europe. And I think that we are people, our people are able to do it because, you know, we are less mourners and complainers and, you know, addicted to union and discussions in our countries because everybody is hungry and then we have to satisfy our community. So that the expectation obviously should be higher because that's the only way we will accelerate growth and enable development in our markets. Uh, what are the other recommendations to stay competitive at the uh, global uh, logistic challenge? So, you know, there are many books and stories and studies that are yeah. conducted in different universities. But what I would say to our sisters and brothers in our markets is that, you know, we um, have to demonstrate to the global market that we are more passionate about what we're doing because we have a purpose that is driving us in terms of driving our economies to growth. Um, we have to demonstrate that we are hungrier because we are more hungry for growth because we have to create wealth in our markets. So we have to be determined to achieve milestone changes into our markets. And then we have to work jointly with NGOs, with governments, with any authority that is participating in the evolution of our markets to make sure that we don't remain and stay emerging markets, that we, that, but that we you know, achieve the step change of becoming also mature developed markets because the future of the world will depend on the future of our people and our people will be the majority of the population of the world. So in order for us to make the world a better place, our places have to become much better places than they have been in the past because they have to deal with the global economy. So my recommendation is you know, go hungry, stay passionate and fight for your respective countries to make them better places and participate in the social economy in helping people who are in need and not just be there for your own purpose yeah. awesome okay so thank you so much for joining Amadou and if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you what is the best way to reach out to you well so you know I, I although I look old you know I, I, I still use all the social media so <laughs> with me. you okay with, you can connect with me on uh, LinkedIn you can connect with me on Facebook you can connect with me on Instagram on Twitter on any social media that is existing um, and I'm always open to engage uh, and, and help yes. brothers yes. and sisters that are across our markets because I think that it is our joint responsibility and in that sense I also would like to congratulate you on creating Bichara because I think that it is giving the voice to all the people in our emerging exactly. market so that they can express mm-hmm why we are different, why we are passionate, why we are also people who will play their role in this global market. Nice. Okay, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, take care and goodbye. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. At Bichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the Chara Supply Chain. And stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website www.bicharasupplychain.com. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.